where you're just like, can you, can you just hold that thought for a minute? You know, you're really, really busy. Somebody comes up to you. Oh, switch? What's switch? If you're in year seven, eight, or nine, and you would prefer to listen to Dave and Gina than me, and I won't take it personally much, then you can go through the doors. Can you just write all those kids' names down, Trinity? They would rather hear Dave and Gina than me. They're off our Christmas card list. Have fun, guys. Hold that thought. (laughs) Hold that thought while we release switch. Hold that thought, you know? I don't know about how many times as parents we do this quite a bit, eh? We're busy doing something. The kids come, dad, 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 mom, mom, just hold on a sec, hold on a sec, you know? And uh, you can get away with that when they're younger because they'll stand there and wait for you to be free. When they're a teenager and you say, hold that thought, by the time you get back to them, they're gone and they don't want to talk to you anymore, yes? When when your kids are young, you can get away with it, but when they're teenagers, you've got to stop what you're doing and and respond to them immediately while you've got the opportunity that they're not just going to grunt at you, but they're going to have a conversation with you. This is a little bit of parenting advice for you. Um, But this whole thing of hold that thought, I think Philippians is such a great scripture in chapter 4, verse 1, and then 8 and 9. It says this, it says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way. Everybody say, in this way. Dear friends, finally, brothers and sisters, so he's saying, stand firm in the Lord this way. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Trinity Jordan, whatever is, I'm just getting brownie points, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. He's saying here, stand firm in the Lord this way, this way. Whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is marble, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, think about those things. You see, I I believe this, that it's not heroic deeds that make a brave life. It's a courageous mindset that brings about a brave life. A a mindset that thinks on the things that are true and noble and pure and excellent and praiseworthy, no matter what is going on in our world around us. I don't know about you, but it's very, very difficult. I love this scripture, and I think the scripture is awesome. And this is not about being a positive mindset. This is about having a God mindset because God is saying this. He says, hey, when you're going through stuff, when you're going through all sorts of difficulties or problems or situations, it's very, very easy to think in misery. It's very easy to think in your situation. But he's saying, if you want to stand firm in God, live this way. In the middle of all that's going on, think these things. Have a courageous mindset. Have a brave mindset, have a positive mindset, have a God mindset that as you go, because it's all God stuff, because God even says this, yeah, all things work together for good. That's a really hard scripture to get your head around when everything looks like it's going to the toilet. Yes? It's very, very difficult, but he's saying if you want to be successful, you want to stand firm in the way of the Lord, then have this thought process. But it's really hard to have that kind of a heroic faith. And in this letter in Philippians to the Philippian church, Paul gives them a list of all these things that he said, these are the things you need to think about. These are the things that should be in your mind. These are the thoughts that you should be having. Because cultivating heroic faith is all about forming a habit of thinking thoughts that are of God. Having heroic faith it's all about cultivating a habit of thinking, heroic, thinking like God thinks. You remember, he says this, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. 
You know, I think the greatest testimony of somebody who had a God mindset was Joseph at the end of things, and he's got his brothers in his room with him, and he says to you, what you meant for evil, God meant for my good. He he didn't say God meant for everybody else's good, because the reality, what Joseph went through, saved the world. Joseph personalized it, and he said, meant for my good. And because it was meant for my good, everybody else in the world being saved from the drought is just a bonus. But what you meant for evil, God meant for my good. He just had this mindset, I believe, that while he was thrown into a pit and sold into slavery, never complained. Then he went and worked for Potiphar's house and got accused of having an affair with, with Potiphar, or trying to have an affair with Potiphar's wife when he didn't. Gets thrown into jail for all the wrong reasons. You don't hear him complaining. Then he serves the chief of the jail so much that the chief of the jail puts him in charge of the jail, still not complaining. Joseph just had this ability that whatever situation he was in, he was just positive about it. He was just, he was just like, he just had God's thinking about it. And so when it came to the situation where he could extract his revenge rather than revenge, he was just like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you that you did what you did because it was for my good. What an amazing man, yeah? I wonder how many of us could do that because the reality is both fear and faith are byproducts of what we focus on. Fear and faith are products of our focus. When you focus on the wrong things, fear is produced. Yes? How many people have gone through situations where you're starting to work out what's going to happen and you haven't even got there yet, you know? I start to think about my kids and I start to think about Madison now driving and I start to think about, you know, when she goes out and she went out last night to a friend's place in Pocono and, and, you know, and your head starts to go in a direction about motorway, trucks, drunks, and you start to focus on what could be a bad outcome, yes? What is wrong with us that we do that? Shouldn't our focus should be like, she's going to have a great time, she's going to drive home safely, she's going to be really, really happy, and my car's going to be on one piece. Shouldn't that be the... But we don't, hey, we, we tend to go to this negative bend, and when we focus on the wrong things, fear is produced. But when we focus on the right things, faith is produced. When we focus on the wrong things, fear is produced. But when we focus on the right things, when we think on what is good and noble and praiseworthy and excellent, you see, unfocused minds welcome fear and weaken faith. An unfocused mind weakens faith. That's why it says in Hebrews, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Where you focus is where you end up. Yes? It's very quiet here this morning. You see, in the Garden of Eden, we know the story, Adam and Eve are in the garden, and God comes to them and says, you can eat of any tree in the garden except for this one. And we all know that Adam and Eve end up eating from the tree that he tells them not to eat from. You have to ask yourself, what was going through their head? That as there's all these other trees, mangoes, pawpaws, pineapples, green coconuts, avocados, apples, oranges, all the other, all the other trees, but they couldn't help but focus on the one tree that they couldn't have. Their focus wasn't on all the things that they could have. Their focus was on all the things that they couldn't have. I wonder what the story would be if they actually focus on all the things that they could have instead of all the things that they can't have. I've heard this and non-Christian. Well, if I come to God, I have to give up this, this. The focus is on what they lose, 
not on what they gain. And as Christians, we need to focus on what it is that we gain in Christ, not what we lose. Because if we focus on what we lose, we realize that the scripture says this, that if you lose your life, you'll find it. But our problem is we focus on what we lose rather than what it is that we gain. The Bible says this, if we don't lose hope in doing good, if we don't get weary in doing good, there's a great reward. But instead we focus on our weariness instead of the great reward that comes if we don't lose heart. Are you with me this morning? Why is it that we focus on all the things that we're losing, all the things that we don't have, instead of all the things that God does do and God does have? Why do we focus on all the things that are going bad instead of focusing on all the things that are going right? And, and he says here in Philippians, if you want to stand firm in the Lord, you have to change your thinking from all the things that could be bad for you to all the things that are great for you because he understands that what you focus on is where you end up. And if you focus on the wrong thing, you end in fear. But if you focus on the right thing, you end up in faith. Instead of focusing on not thinking wrong thoughts, I think we need to focus on thinking right thoughts. I don't know about you, but, but uh, you know, I, I, my, my eating habits are like a uh, roller coaster. Anybody else? No? I go really well. Eating really, really well until I feel the call. McDonald's, McDonald's, Kentucky Fried Chicken and a pizza. And it just, the thought, the, the demonic thoughts come into the brain. And, and all of a sudden, the lettuce and the cabbage and every other thing goes out. Yeah, it's like, I think the reason why I fail so often in eating healthy is because I think about the things I can't have instead of things that I can have. Yeah? I wonder how often the failures we've had would actually become successes if we focused on what we can do rather than what we can't do. You see, the crazy thing about thinking right thoughts is this, and if you get nothing else this morning, I'd love you to get this, is that God places no limits on thinking his thoughts. God places no limits on thinking his thoughts. That's why it says in Ephesians 3.20, my God can do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever ask, think, or dream of. He doesn't limit good thoughts. He doesn't limit your dreaming. He doesn't limit the crazy things that you're thinking in God. I was talking to Pastor Alapati this week, and I said to him, I reckon, and I haven't even really, I haven't said this to anybody in the church. It was just one of them moments where God things stirs, and you open your mouth, and then you realize afterwards what it is that you just said, and then you think, how's that all going to happen? But I'm really excited that one day I believe that we're going to plant a church with him in the CBD of Suva, designed specifically to reach the young adults and young people of Fiji, and we're going to do this style church in the middle, because nobody does church like this in Fiji, but we all know that the youth generation around the world is the same kind of culture. They all listen to the same stuff. They're all listening to Beyonce, and I think it'll be awesome if we partner with him one day, and we plant a church in the middle of the CBD. We're going to get all the traditional churches hating us, but we don't care, because we're about establishing the kingdom, and I reckon we can partner together and see thousands of young Fijians come to Christ. It's just, how's that going to happen? I don't know. I don't care. I'm just going to keep on having good thoughts because I know God doesn't limit the good thoughts of what it is that we can accomplish. And that's why there's still a thought in my head about planting a church in Umeer and planting a service in Tuakau and doing something in Tikafara and, and going into Papakura, this is why limit the good thoughts that grow the kingdom? Let, let's go crazy with the good thoughts. Let's go wild with the good thoughts. That's why I'm not giving up on the good thought of us building a daycare center here on site. Why? Because one, we want to reach our community. Two, we want to teach children God's ways. And three, we want to use the money that we make off that to help other people. There are marriages that are failing purely because people can't afford to get counseling that would save a marriage, save a family. Family, save our community and save a nation. And if we can save marriages, we can save families. So why sit back and go, oh man, 50% of marriages are ending in divorce? A positive mindset turns around and says, we can save 50% of marriages if we can do this. Well, how are you going to pay for it all? I don't know. God knows. 
I'm just going to keep on having the good thoughts because if I get stuck in the thoughts of how we're going to raise $3.5 million to build it, then I'm just going to end up in fear rather than in faith. And so I'm going to look at the positive. I'm going to look at the fact that we're going to see 50 to 100 families restored every single year by doing this. That's the focus. Because nobody wants to give towards a negative. Nobody wants to believe in a negative, but we all got to believe that God can do something of significance because God places no limits on our thoughts that come from Him. You see, a lack of faith is a sign of broken focus. When we lose sight of all that God is doing, that's when faith starts to get limited. Our focus breaks off God and starts to look at our situation. That happened with Peter when he was walking on water. The Bible says that when he looked at the winds and the waves, he started to sink. But while his eyes were fixed on Jesus, he walked through the storm. It's the same thing that happens when we break focus on him, when we break focus on what he's promised, when we lose focus about the promises of God, then all of a sudden our faith starts to diminish and fear starts to increase. Now, I know some of you have unsaved children, and you're believing for them, and you've been praying for them, but friend, can I say this? Don't break focus on his promise, that you and your whole household shall be saved. It may take until, I don't know when it will happen for them. I can't guarantee you that, but I can guarantee you this, that if you break focus off that scripture, they don't stand much chance. But while you stay focused I thank you, God, that my whole household's going to be saved. I thank you, God, that my kids are going to be up on the stage one day singing and playing, and my kids are going to be in the house. When you focus on that, then faith builds. Yes? Are you with me this morning? Our faith will rise when we focus on the goodness of God. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, it says this, For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. Sometimes I wish we did. It would just be simpler, wouldn't it? Rather than praying for somebody who's offended you, it would just be easy to punch them in the face, wouldn't it? I'm just being honest. Just joking, by the way, too. Just in case you think I'm serious. Although Scripture does say that blows from a friend cleanses away evil. That's why wives always elbow husbands when they're being embarrassing. Uh, how do I move on very quickly before I dig a hole so deep? I'm speaking in Chinese. All right. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself, sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Love this scripture because Paul tells us a couple of things. First of all, is that we have divine weapons, God weapons, divine weapons. How many people know that principalities and powers, how many people know that the devil, how many people know that the enemy has no ability to fight the divine weapons of God? Here's no, so we have been given these divine weapons. It's not like God says, I'll hold on to them, and when you need it, if you beg me, I might step in. No, no, he says, all authority I have, I give to you. He's given us the, the divine weapons, the same weapons he has, he has given to us to have, to destroy, the power to destroy every argument and pretension that rages against the thoughts of God. So every single thing that comes into your head Every single thought process, every single thing that comes in that rages itself against what you know that God is, God has given you the divine weapon to demolish that, to destroy it, to kill it so that it doesn't have a hold over your lives. He also tells us to take every thought captive to obey Christ. So, so often when God tells us to do something, we, we kind of have thoughts of why it can't happen rather than why it could happen. Every time God tells you to do something and you have a thought that says that that couldn't happen, that is not a God thought. That is a thought that's coming in, that's an argument that's coming in, that's trying to stop you from stepping in to all that God has planned for you. These are arguments, and the thing is, is that Paul says in the scripture here, 
is that we have the power to destroy them. These arguments, though, often come to us with facts, yes? That's the problem. So often we, we, we don't do the things that God tells us to do because the facts come in. I mean, classic example is what I just mentioned before. Daycare center, okay, here's the facts. First of all, you've got to deal with counsel. Well, that's like dealing with the devil himself. Just don't put that bit in the tape just in case someone hears it. Um, counts, please, Jesus, forgive me. Um, then, then you've got to get it through resource consent. Then you've got to get neighbors' permissions. Then you've got to get the finances in. Then you've got to get it built. You know, there's all these things that say why logically a church our size could not do this. But then I just have to look 15 kilometers away from here to a church in Waiuku called Waiuku Christian Fellowship, pastored by Pastor Calvin, with a church of 50 people that brought a building seven years ago for $850,000 and have fully paid it off inside seven years because God can do the miraculous. When he told me he was going to buy it, I'm like, I'm believing with you, but the whole time I'm thinking, that ain't, how are you going to do that with 50 people? Now I say to him, when I have to take up an offering so that we can build the daycare center, I think maybe I'll get you to come and do it. Because he just, they gave. In the first offering with 50 people, they got $580,000 coming. Now that facility is used by 13 community groups every week, touching lives. It's amazing what God can do when you don't get in the way, when you don't let the facts get in the way of the truth. Well, what do you mean, letting the facts get in the way of the truth? Well, the facts is that Jesus died, but the truth is that he rose again. You see, a fact can be a fact, but not necessarily the truth. Jesus was dead, but he rose again. And the truth is, friend, that the word of God always comes true. Word of God always comes through, and the facts will always fight against what it is that God's wanting to see happen, because the reality is faith always operates in an environment outside of facts. That doesn't mean that we ignore the facts. It doesn't mean that we're silly about the facts, but we acknowledge that there are facts, but here's the truth. God's going to come through for us. Are you with me this morning? You see, you can't always control the thoughts you have but you can control the thoughts that you hold. It's, it's like you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond to it. You can't control the thoughts that come in, but you can certainly control the thoughts that you hold. And some thoughts from God, and some thoughts come from the enemy. And we've got to learn to recognize which thoughts are true and noble and excellent. It's really easy to decipher between which are God's thoughts and which are the enemy's thoughts. Because God's thoughts are true, noble, and excellent, and the enemy's thoughts are designed to bring fear, to steal your joy, and to rob you from all that God wants you to do. How do I know that? Because John 10.10 10 says that, that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So anything that's trying to rob you of anything in your world is not a God thing. And so it's a thought that we've got to identify and understand because God is continually encouraging us. I believe God's speaking to us all the time, but we get discouraged because the reason is we haven't learned how to hold on to the good thought. We haven't learned how to grasp the good thought, how to capture that good thought that God has put in us and hold on to it. We too easily, within moments, and, and this happens to me all the time, within moments of God speaking to me and me saying it, all of a sudden, the, you know, I've done that in church before where I've got up here and I've basically been in a Holy Ghost moment and I've made this big proclamation to the church and then I go home at lunchtime thinking, what have you done? Why did you say that? How's that going to happen? You're an idiot. You need to get up next week and apologize and just tell them you had bad pizza or something the night before. Immediately, as soon as there's a God factor, out comes the negative thoughts. Out comes the thoughts to try and destroy, to try and hold, and many thoughts are dis dispatched by Satan to terrorize our faith. And, and, and here's the problem. I think we've been taught too much in the church, and I've probably taught this too, that when you have thoughts that come in from the enemy, just, just dismiss them, get rid of them. Well, that's not what the Scripture teaches. 
Too often we just let such thoughts go. But friend, this is ineffective. We need to hold, the scripture says, take captive. Take captive. In other words, make a prisoner out of that negative thought. Are you hearing me this morning? We've been taught any negative thoughts come in, just, just let them go. No, no, no. Scripture says take them captive. Arrest them. Imprison them. Why? Because then we can interrogate them. When I get a negative thought process starting to operate in my world, I'm trying to train myself. I don't always do this, but I'm training myself to go, okay, why has that come? Where has it come from? What is it trying to stop in my life? Because if I can understand that that thought is coming in to try and stop me in this area, then I know that's the area that God wants me to do something out of. Because he ain't going to send thoughts into your head uh, against things that he's okay with. He's trying to restrict you. He's trying to stop you. He's trying to hold you back from accomplishing all that God has. So by interrogating that negative thought, I can understand what it is, the very thing that God wants me to do. Because he's going to attack the things that God has planned for you. You're going to have dreams and you're going to have visions about the things that God wants you to do. You're just going to have a sense in your spirit that God wants you to do this. And I'm going to tell you now, if a thought comes, that's not possible. You can't do that. Look at your past. Look at your current situation. It's, you know what it is? It's, it's a thought coming in that you need to take captive and go, you know, hold on a sec. Let me just grab that thought for a moment. Let me strap it to a chair put its feet in a bucket of water and get me get a car battery so I can interrogate this sucker and find out where it's come from and what it's trying to stop me from doing. Are you with me this morning? Because anything that comes to rob, steal and destroy is not of God. Remember he said this, think on these things, good, noble, pure, excellent, praiseworthy. Those are all the thoughts that God comes in. Those are all the thoughts that God brings in. Those thoughts we can never stop thinking about. We're never limited in those thoughts. So any thought that limits what it is that God has planned for us is a thought that needs to be interrogated to find out what it is that it's trying to stop us from doing. And too often what we do is we go, oh, I just try and push that thought to one side. How many people know you try to push that thought to one side, it might last a day. And that thought comes right back. Why? Because you've got to interrogate the sucker. You've got to find out what it's been sent to do. It's a spy in the camp. Spies need to be interrogated. Because the very thing that that thought is trying to stop you from is the very thing that God is purposing for you to do. And if we can take those thoughts captive... They can actually give us really valuable information about what it is that God is wanting to do with our lives. You see, Satan always sends thoughts in order to keep us from fulfilling our purpose. So if we find a thought that's trying to intimidate us, then we understand that he is trying to stop us from being all the things that God created us to be. And so instead of stepping into the situation with fear, what if this doesn't work out? We can step into the situation with faith because we know, oh, this is God's plan. Otherwise, I wouldn't be getting attacked like this. See, the enemy doesn't attack what it's not afraid of. It only ever attacks what it's afraid of. So if it's attacking your thought process about what it is that God has called you to do, it's because it's afraid that you're going to do it. It's trying to stop you. It's trying to hold you back. You know, I, I, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. I have a thought that comes every now in my head to me about pastoring the church that says this, you are unqualified to do this. You cannot get up there on Sunday and tell people how to live. Look at how you live sometimes. Look at the way that you behave sometimes. You, you can't get up there and tell people how to live. You need to start telling yourself how to live. These are the thoughts. You're unqualified to do this. And you know what? I, I interrogated that thought, and now my response to that thought is, yes, I am unqualified. But it's not me who qualifies me for this. It's God that qualifies me. So it's not about what I do. It's about what He decides. So I'm not qualified because of my amazingness. 
unqualified because of his amazingness. And when you understand that, then that keeps you humble instead of getting prideful about who you are. And all of a sudden, when you're humble, God gives grace, but to the proud, he resists. And so all of a sudden, more doors open up because you understand that it's not about my qualification, it's about his qualification. That's why Paul said this, Paul, an apostle called by God, he understood that it wasn't about what Paul had done, because he'd just been murdering Christians left, right, and center for the past of his life. This was now about, you know, if anyone was unqualified to reach people and lead the church, it was Paul. He'd just been killing all the Christians, and then God turned around and said, mate, it's not about what you've done, it's about what I've done, and so I'm going to qualify you, and I'm going to use you in spite of your past to establish the kingdom. And so every time I start to think I can't do this, or every time I start to think that that there's no way, I just remind myself, actually, this is not, I didn't ask for this. I didn't beg for this. God called me to do this. And so I'm qualified because he wants me here. Sometimes I think he's crazy for wanting me to do this. My poor kids know the real me. You see, there's another thing that I fear sometimes, and, and that is silence. If you, if you worked in the office long enough, you'll know that every now and then I will come out of the office and um, I, let, let's just, I call it pastoral care. Andrea and Gina probably call it distraction because I get lonely on my own. I don't like it. And so I come out of my office and what are you guys doing? Let's have a chat. <laughs> and it could just be about anything, nothing even about the church. It's just like, oh, I'm feeling lonely in my office. And then sometimes I can hear them talking out in the office about something. And I'm like, well, what am I missing out on? So I get up out of my chair and come out into the office here in case I'm missing out on conversation. I don't like being in silence, but here's the thing. Usually, when the thought that comes into my head that says, man, you don't, you need people, it's been silent enough, you need to get out there and have a conversation, is usually when God wants to speak to me, because I understand that when I really hear from God, when I really get a word from Him, when it comes to preparing my messages and stuff like that, it's in the silence. It's, It's something powerful that happens in the secret place in the silence where God speaks to me. And so when I'm thinking the whole time, when I'm trying to do a message and all I can think about is, I just want to go and have coffee with someone. I just want to, who can I ring? Have conversation. You know, like if, if I could, my ultimate thing about doing this job would be just, just to go from coffee to coffee to lunch to coffee with people. And we just talk about life and stuff. That's like, that's awesome. But I know when I'm fearing the silence, I now understand that God's about to give me something in the silence, in the secret, that's going to help change somebody's life. So I have to shut down that voice of fear of being alone and just go, okay, God, it's you and me now. I'm ready for this. Start the download. So when the thoughts of fear kick in, I am learning that they're actually a sign that God is about to give me something that I can only get in that moment. We can interrogate our fears in the same way. We all have fears of different things. Some of you may have a fear of scarcity. You're scared that you're never going to have enough, that that there's just not going to be enough to go around. Then maybe God's calling you to generosity. Maybe you're afraid of embarrassment, or maybe that's because you're so scared about doing anything in the public eye, but maybe that's because God is actually calling you to do something in the public eye. Are you with me this morning? They can touch other people's lives because wherever the thoughts of Satan are attacking us, it shows us where our greatest strengths are. And one Joshua, Joshua is about to take the people of Israel into their promised land and, and God tells him, be strong and be courageous because he would go with them. And he also told them to meditate on his word day and night. It says it here in Joshua 1, 8 to 9. It says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. You will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, 
Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord thy God will be with you wherever you go. Isn't it interesting that God actually says to him two or three times in here, be strong and be courageous, because here's the thing, courage requires strength. But often we lack strength to have the courage because we're exhausted. And here's the thing, here's where the exhaustion comes in, because whatever thoughts you focus on comes at a price. And it comes at a price of your energy. If your thoughts are focused on all the bad that is going wrong, it will wear you out quicker than anything. You will be so exhausted. I don't know about you, but didn't that happen? You know, when there's a death in the family or there's some sort of crisis. I know when, when Trinity had her car accident and I'm driving to Middlemore thinking the worst has happened. I, I, I was tired just driving there because my thought, I had to stop myself halfway to Middlemore and just go, what are you doing? These thoughts are not going to accomplish anything. I was thinking, where are me and the kids going to live? How's this all going to work? I won't be able to pass to the church without Trinity. I won't be able to do that. And, and I got all the, how are we going to survive? She isn't even dead yet. <laughs> but the news that I got was accident on the motorway, serious crash, hit by a truck, being cut out of the car, get to the hospital. That kind of says to me, worst case scenario. But halfway there, I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, what is this accomplishing? So then I thought, I'm going to pray. But then before I prayed, I then rang. Murray and I rang and said, you've got to get the guys praying. And I rang someone else, you've got to get these people praying. You've got to rang my parents. I've got all these people praying. And then I started praying. And then by the time I got to the hospital, I walk into the hospital room and she says to me, sorry, I think the car's a write-off. I don't care about the damn car. <laughs> and as they're cutting her clothes off like they do in hospital, she's like, excuse me, don't, please don't cut my bra. They're really expensive. <laughs> okay, we might be able to get it off without doing that. I really appreciate that. And then like, oh, what about your jeans? Yeah, please don't cut my jeans. I, these are, these are, I like, these are my favorite jeans. Please don't. She, her focus was on, sorry I wrote off the car. Don't cut my bra and don't cut my jeans. <laughs> my focus was, she's dead. Where are we going to live? Ah! You know what I'm saying? You've got to stop those thoughts. You've got to turn around and go, actually, hold on a sec. I actually know the master physician. I actually know... God the healer, I actually, know God the, I actually know the God that it says that when we are in the palm of his hand that nothing can take us out. I actually know the God that appoints angels to look after us and to be around. I actually know the God that can do the impossible. I actually know, that, and all of a sudden it's like faith starts to rise on the inside. It's like, how no, nothing's going to be wrong when I get there. She's going to be fine. There's not going to be any after effects of this. There's not going to be any long-term damage. There's not going to be, and I just started changing to the good, noble, pure, praiseworthy, excellent thoughts about my God. Come on, friend, we got to change this. We've got to realize that when these thoughts come in that are trying to reduce, they're trying to minimize, it's not God. He says, if you do these things, if you meditate, if you be strong and courageous, put your word in my heart, then you will be prosperous. Come on. I don't know about you, but I'm sick of being on the back ground. I'm sick of being on my heels. It's time to get on my toes and to start pushing forward. And God told the Israelites to meditate on His Word day and night because when you meditate on His Word day and night, rather than being exhausted from the negative thoughts, you are empowered by the Word of God. You are infused with energy. You start to have wings like as, as eagles and running like young men. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, everything starts to come together. Everything starts to happen because you're soaring in a place that is above your circumstance because faith has engaged. And we're often uh, you know, in the right place and letting God come in and we're meditating on His Word. 
Too often we meditate on our misery and we need to meditate on His victory, what it is that Christ has done for us, what it is that He's promising us. And, and I know it's hard to hold on to those thoughts because sometimes they take years to come to pass. But friend, I'm trying to tell you something this morning. If you get let go of the promises of God, it's not going to help you. Oh, but I've been holding on for 10 years and nothing seems to change. Well, friend, if you let go now, nothing's going to change. Come on. We've got to hold that thought and hold that thought and hold that thought and meditate on God's Word. And as we meditate on it, faith starts to increase like interest in a bank account and things start to happen and all God's promises are ours to have and all we've got to do is we've just got to hold on to them. We've just got to hold on. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. If you want to stand firm in the Lord, the Scripture says in Philippians, if you want to stand firm in me, then think on what is trustworthy. Think on what is noble. Think on what is praiseworthy. Think on what is excellent. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Hold that thought until it comes in. Interrogate the negative thought until you can see what it is that God's trying to do in your world. And then hold that promise. Destroy the enemy. Hold the promise. Interrogate, destroy, then hold the promise. Because, you know, we've been talking about being brave. We've been talking about running to the roar. We've been talking about getting into the lion's den is what takes courage and God will get you out. We've talked about all these things, but I'm telling you right now, the best thing that you can ever do is hold the thought. Hold the thought. In the pit on a snowy day with a lion, Benaniah, held the thought. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If God is for me, who can be against me? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Come on, hold that thought. Hold that thought. So my question to you this morning is, what thoughts have you let go? What thoughts have you let go? What thoughts do you need to grab hold of again? Why, how do I grab hold of those thoughts? Can I give you some really simple things that will help you to hold thought? When you get a scripture, when you get something that God promises, you want to plaster your home with it, plaster your car with it. You know, you spend enough time on the toilet to make sure the back of your toilet door has all the promises on it. Don't read the newspaper or don't do what some people do and take this into the toilet. Look at those scriptures on the back of your toilet door and just go, I oh, thank you, God. Boom. Just start. I thank you, Father, that you're for me. I thank you, God. When I think about my family, I thank you that your promises is they're going to be saved. You just start holding that thought. You hop in your car and have it in your car somewhere. You know, Trinity's mum has them stuck on her dashboard in different places. And I know... Uh, even Andrea was sharing, she put scriptures in the bathroom and she's got unsaved kids in her home, but they know, they know them. They quote them back at her. And amazing how kids do that when they're away from God and you try to correct them on something so they quote a scripture at you. That's <laughs> an awesome thing. You just start, you start, you know, one of the best things I think that we did last year was when we did a 24-hour prayer and Catherine Heineke and the team wrote out all those prayers for different circumstances, different situations, and that's all scripture. You just grab them and you just read them over and over again and hold that thought. I'm going to hold that thought. I know what the doctor said about my cancer, but I'm going to hold that thought that by his stripes I am healed. I, I know my marriage ain't looking that great right now, but I'm going to hold that thought that nobody. No man can separate what God has put together. I'm believing God can restore this. I'm believing God can do something. I know my finances don't look that great right now, but I know that he promises in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, that if I look after his house, he's going to look after my house. Come on, you just got to hold that thought. 
Just hold that thought. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning? Let's just close our eyes just for a moment. I really sense in my spirit that the one's here and you've, you, you know, I mean, I've really let go. I've really let go of those thoughts. I've really let go of those things I was holding on to. And here's the thing, as you started thinking about the things that you let go of, the promises that you let go of, as you start thinking about, man, I need to grab hold of them again. Here's, I'm going to tell you right now, here's a first argument that's going to come into your head. Well, you can't just pick up where you left off because you, you've ditched God ages ago over that. That's not a God thought. And I say this, the prodigal, great story about the prodigal son is that he didn't have to work his way back up to being the son again. The minute he turned up, despite all that he had done, the minute that he turned up to the father, he was reinstated exactly to the place where he was before he left. Because that's how the kingdom works. God does not hold your past against you. Your purpose is bigger than your past. And so we have to turn around and say, you know what, I don't care what these thoughts are. These are promises that I've let go of. And I'm going to step back in where I left them. I'm going to pick them straight back up again. And I'm going to hold these thoughts. And I can guarantee you that as you do that, that this week the negative thoughts will come like a flood. They'll come in left, right, and center. But you're just going to turn around and go, no, 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 no. I'm hold that thought is trying to stop me from seeing this come to pass. I'm holding my thoughts. I'm holding my thoughts. It's not excellent, so I'm not thinking it. It's not praiseworthy. I'm not thinking it. It's not true. I'm not thinking it. It's not noble. I'm not thinking. I'm holding that thought. Now, it ain't going to happen instantaneously for you, but if you can do this, it will happen because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And the more we tell us the promises that God has given us, the more faith starts to come. And I, I just really feel right now in my spirit that there's some here that are really struggling financially. You need to find those scriptures, Malachi 3, chapter 3, verse 10, where it says, you know, that if we would bring all the tithes into his house, he'll look after our house, and he'll rebuke the devourer on our behalf. Come on, that's a promise. He says, test me in this and see if I will not open up the windows. It's the only place in scripture that you're allowed to test God by saying, you know what? I'm trusting you with my tithe. Come on. Come on. Are you a liar? God? I mean, you got, some of you are going to think I'm in blasphemy right now, but this is how I talk. God, are you lying? Is your word a lie? No, it's not a lie because the Bible says that you can't lie. So then where's the windows open? Come on, God. You've got to rebuke this devourer on my behalf. You've got, you got to start. Come on. You've got to get some fight back into the fight club and start to... Start to stand on these promises and not go, oh, well, I tried, but it hasn't worked. No, no, no. You let go of the thought. Hold that thought. Hold that promise until it comes to pass because it promises that it won't come back empty, but it will accomplish everything that God sent it out to do. So I'm just going to hold on. We had this fox terrier when I was little and we'd tie a rope to the clothesline and it would bite the end of the rope and then we'd spin the spin the um, clothesline. And I, I know it sounds cruel, but I was young. And it's holding on by, its, by the skin of its teeth to this rope going, around on the clothesline. And I remember, I was about probably 18 at the time. And I remember watching this dog just holding on by the skin of its teeth thinking, if it lets go of the rope, I think it's going to die. Because there's fences everywhere. I can just see it spinning off going. And then I remember God saying to me, if you just hold on by the skin of your teeth, if you just hold on by the skin of your teeth, sooner or later the whirlwind you're in is going to stop and you'll still be okay. But if you let go, if you let go in the craziness, splat. 
if you let go of the thought, if you let go of the promise, splat. But if you hold the promise, when your world stops spinning, you're still standing. You're still standing. If you're here this morning while every eye is closed and you're like, man, I would love it, Craig, if you could pray for me this morning that I would, that I would hold those thoughts. I've let go of them, but I want to grab hold of them again. I want to grab hold of those thoughts and I want to hold them and hold them and hold them. And no matter how crazy and spinning my world gets, I'm not letting go. That's you here this morning. I mean, I, could you pray with me, Craig, that I'd have the strength and the courage to hold on to those thoughts? Why don't you just lift your hand this morning and I'll pray for you. If that's you here this morning, anybody else here this morning, just put your hand up. Anybody else here this morning, man, I just need to hold those thoughts. Awesome. Thank you so much. Great. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you for all those hands that have been lifted. Father, I thank you, God, that it's so easy for us to let go of your promises when we look at our circumstances. But Father, I thank you that your word is above and beyond circumstance. Your word is above and beyond situations. And I pray, God, that they won't have this kind of feeling on them of, oh, I'm just barely hanging on, that that would change your thoughts up thought process of I am hanging on. When it comes to your promises, God, it's not by how much we got hold of them, as long as we got hold of them. And so I pray that it might be skin of the teeth, but they'll never let them go. And that you're going to reward them for diligently seeking them. That you're not going to let go of them as long as they don't let go of you. And that you're going to see all those things come to pass in the world. God, I pray for marriages to be restored right now. God, I say, hold on. Lord, as much as they want to separate or as much as it doesn't seem to be working, that they would hold on, but they'd also get help. For those that are going through financial difficulties right now, that they would hold on to your promise, God, that you will come through for them. For those that are going through health crisis right now, that they'd hold on to the promise that by His stripes we are healed. Not going to be healed, not maybe healed, but we are healed. And that your word is true and it doesn't return empty. For those that have unsaved kids and loved ones, Father, we thank you. Your promise is true. You and your whole household shall be saved. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not the next week, maybe not in a month's time, but it's going to happen because I'm holding the promise and I'm not letting go because I'm not going to let the devil have the victory. I'm going to have the victory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Awesome. Before we finish with a song this morning, let me just give you a couple of notices.